Welcome to SECC. We pray that you are blessed today as you listen. Good morning, everyone. Hello, nice to see you all. Gary is not with us this morning. He's preaching at um, his uh, old church in um, Croydon. That's the place. I nearly said Crawley in Croydon this morning. So we pray, um, yeah, we pray God's protection on him um, and God's blessing on him as he as he preaches there. Sam is going to bring us a reading. Uh, the reading today is from Acts 27 verses 39 to the end of the chapter, and it's on page 1125 in the Church Bible. Uh, When daylight came, they did not recognize the land, but they saw a bay with a sandy beach, where they decided to run the ship aground if they could. Cutting loose the anchors, they left them in the sea, and at the same time untied the ropes that held the rudders. Then they hoisted the foresail to the wind, and made for the beach. But the ship struck a sandbar and ran aground. The bow stuck fast and would not move, and the stern was broken to pieces by the pounding of the surf. The soldiers planned to kill the prisoners to prevent any of them from swimming away and escaping. But the centurion wanted to spare Paul's life and kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and get to land. The rest were to get there on planks or on pieces of the ship. In this way, everyone reached land in safety. Right, you're lucky enough to have me again. Yeah, we really pray God's blessing on Gary this morning as he um, brings, uh, brings the word as well. I really love that passage that Sam read. I've shared before very quickly in church once about um, my testimony and that little snippet as Paul was shipwrecked um, and the instruction there for those who are strong enough to swim to land. They were all in the sea in the storm and um, they were told by the centurion, those that are strong enough swim to land, swim to safety, but those that aren't grab onto whatever's floating in the sea around you, the bits of the ship, basically. So it got me thinking, what if life was a little bit like a boat ride? And we all have different boats. None of us are exactly the same. We're all unique. And perhaps your boat is um, really simple and purposeful, does what it says on the tin. Maybe you're floating around in something really simple, maybe a couple of oars. Or maybe your boat looks a bit like this and you like to travel in style. Pat likes that one. It's travel in style. Maybe your boat has some unexpected things on it that you weren't quite expecting. Maybe your boat is um, built for speed. You like to get places and get places fast. And let's face it, some of us 
have ships that just have too much on it altogether, and we get ourselves in a pickle quite too often. But no matter what your boat is, you also have conditions in which you float that boat, in which you ride along. And sometimes it's going to be plain sailing, and sometimes it's going to be a little bit choppy, and you have to hold on a little bit more. And sometimes it's so stormy that you might be shipwrecked. Maybe you've gone overboard and the ship is smashed. And like what, we've, what Sam read for us in Acts, if you're strong enough, you can swim to land. But if you're not, you hold on while you're in that stormy bit. You hold on to whatever it is. But this supposes that you have some solid stuff on your ship in the first place. If your ship was made out of, I don't know, what can we, what can we use? If your ship was made out of some flimsy blow-up plastic and that's gone to bits, it's not going to do you much good at all. So I thought this morning I'd speak about what's on your ship The first thing I'd like to say, the first thing I'd like to draw out, the first thing you should have probably on your ship are the promises of God. No surprises there. <laughs> Something really solid. What is God's vision for you? Do you know what you're doing here? And the New Testament is absolutely peppered with analogies um, of the Bible talking about a strong foundation and having something solid to hold on to. So that in times of trouble, you stand firm. It's like the story of build your house on the sand, build your house on the rocks. And when the rain comes down, it's not going to rain every day, but when the rain does come down, the sand will wash away, but the solid rock will stand 2 Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture is God-breathed. It's good for teaching, reproof, for correction, and for training. God's word is truth. It's God-breathed, all of it. Hebrews 4 verse 12 says, the word of God is alive and active, sharper than a two-edged sword. It penetrates into dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. It's alive and it's powerful and it's purposeful as well. Isaiah, in Isaiah says, uh, God says, my word will not return to me empty. It will achieve the purposes for which I sent it. So do we know what God says about us. Do we know, do we have a solid foundation in our faith? And do we speak those words of God over ourselves and over other people? Do we encourage people? Or do we encourage them with our own words? If somebody's going through a hard patch, do we go, I'm so sorry, it must be tough. Better luck next time. Keep strong. Keep going. Jesus says man cannot live on bread alone, 
but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. If we're relying on our earthly common sense and our man-made wisdoms, then be warned, these will be very empty if they're not backed up by godly wisdom. The second thing that is really important to have on your ship is hope and a future. And it ties into the first one, of course. But how do we, how do we know what our, what our future is um, in, in God? John 16, verse 33 says, In this world, you will have trouble. If you became a Christian thinking you're going to have an easy life. Sorry. In this world, you will have trouble. But, it says... Take heart, I have overcome the world. God is already one. God is already one. Jeremiah 29 verse 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans to prosper you and not to harm you. If you seek me, you will find me. So how do we learn that faith in God? How do we build our, our faith? How do we trust that God has a, has a plan and a purpose for us? Well, we tr- start trusting God with really small things first. Do you pray about everything in your life? And do you keep a record? If your memory is as good as mine, you'll know that from this week to next week, I'll have forgotten practically everything. Most likely, I'll have forgotten what I'd asked God for there and what he'd answered this week. A prayer journal is a lovely way to do that if you note down what you've prayed for and then a month later, a year later, go and page through. And I think you'll be absolutely amazed how many of those God has answered. And you've just carried on with life and perhaps not even noticed. But that's how you build your faith. You trust God with the small stuff so that when it comes to the enormous stuff, you already have that relationship of trust. It's the same with, um, if we want to relate it to our, our earthly walk, it's the same, as, the same as people. You're not immediately going to trust somebody to give them the key to your car. But if you've walked 10 years with a person and you know them and you trust them, then, yes, of course, borrow my car. You know it's going to come back. You can trust them. Now, each and every one of us has things that we struggle with. um, And no one Christian is going to struggle with the same stuff that that others struggle with. Um, Perhaps it's uh, bad thoughts or dishonesty or pride or addiction. Um, For me, the thing that God's convicted me most about in the last few years is actually self-sufficiency. I'm um, pretty well-educated, resourceful lady. Some might add stubborn. Um, I like to do things my way. I always have been. You can ask my mother. (laughs) I remember when I was 22 and I'd grown up in South Africa and I wanted to come to the UK and I distinctly remember, I had a faith at the time, and I distinctly uh, distinctly remember praying, God, I'm going to the UK Stop me if you don't want me to go. That was, that was my prayer. And, um, and I did come, obviously. 
Uh, and there's something to be said for being determined and being um, ambitious and going places. But if I'm honest, that sums up my walk with Christ. God, that's what I want to do. Stop me if it's not your will, by the way. So, all of that is fine and dandy. <laughs> Until one day, 2018, when I sat in the doctor's office and I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And quite frankly, my world fell apart at that point. My life was shipwrecked. And there was absolutely nothing, zero, I could do in my own power to fix it. how gracious our God was because I had two really amazing God moments um, in the two weeks before that day. And um, just so amazing that it arrived um, before I was shipwrecked. So it was already on my boat, so to speak. It was on my ship so much more powerful for me. Um, and the first was, uh, Christine will remember this, at our women's conference, which was about two weeks before um, I was diagnosed. And the, the guest speaker, when um, I'd finished leading worship and I went to sit down, and the guest speaker came up and she had a, a word from God for me. And uh, she didn't know me at all. We'd met that morning. And, uh, and she looked at me and, and said... God says, this is not the end. I didn't know I was ill. She didn't know I was ill. But God knew there was a storm on the way. There was a storm on the way. And I cannot tell you how much I held on to that in the times that I felt really dark and really desperate. And the second um, uh, God moment was this passage that we've just read. Um, my pastor from London, the church we were in in London, um, had posted on social media this really short little clip, and he was talking about that, and talking about holding on to, holding on to something if you find yourself in stormy water. I know the plans I have for you. One of the major revelations I had when I was ill was that God's primary concern is not for my earthly body. God loves me. God wants the best for me. You know, God's primary concern is for my soul. And to live the rest of my life with that knowledge that I'm on borrowed time and that actually in my weakness, like it says in Corinthians, in my weakness, he is king. Every day when I'm reminded, I might not be here forever, God says, but I'm in control. But I am king. My power is made perfect in weakness. It's when we come to the end of ourselves that God can truly shine. The third thing on our ship is the testimony, our own testimonies 
a little bit like what I'm doing now, <laughs> telling you all about, telling you all about um, my journey. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5:11 says, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you're doing. Hebrews 10, verse 24 says, let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. Do not neglect to meet together but encourage one another. And what a challenge that is, and more so um, coming out of, of, of the pandemic. Who, who are we spending time with? It's a huge, encourage, a huge um, challenge for me. Who are we spending time with? Are we spending time with people who encourage us? But also, are we encouraging other people? And when we are together, do we pray that God guards our thoughts and our mouths? Do we speak words of encouragement or does it turn to complaining or criticism? Does it turn into just placating each other, going, oh, it'll be fine? Or even self-indulgence. Do we find conversations turning to us quite a lot of time? Does the conversation always end up about Julie? Do we share our victories? Have we trusted enough and stretched our faith enough so that we can encourage those Christians around us? And do we share failures as well? Do we share when we've messed up? Because certainly all of us do. Proverbs 27 says, iron sharpens iron. Love that. The last thing uh, on the ship is rather one that we should not have on our ship necessarily, and it's not the past. My notes here says, let go of the past. If your ship is going down, don't look back. Look to the land. Look to where you're going. If you find yourself in the valley of the shadow of death, Keep going. Don't set up camp in the valley of the shadow of death. Because every valley has a mountaintop. Keep going. Isaiah 40 says, But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I think in our, our, earthly, <laughs> our earthly minds and bodies, we find that hard to actually comprehend. Um, it's been a long while since I've been able to run and not grow weary. But this point I'd like to say here is, it's letting go of things so that you can reach towards your future and your hope in God. Letting go of, of hurts. Letting go of disappointments. Perhaps letting go of some other bit in your past that you might remember and think, oh, wasn't that more comfortable? That, that seemed much easier. It reminds me of the Israelites um, crossing the Red Sea. God did an amazing miracle for them. 
They parted the sea. Pharaoh's army was bearing down on them as they crossed through. And what do they do once they get to the other side? They moan like anything. Okay, time, time was tough on the other side, but God was leading him, them to the promised land. And what do they say? They moan and they complain. They say, oh, do you remember when we were back in Egypt? We had food, we were warm, we were comfortable. They missed God's miracle. They missed God's plan in that moment because they were thinking back. They were looking back all of the time. Now, miracles aren't always walls of water. Sometimes they're really subtle. But do be careful. Sometimes we miss them because we're so busy thinking where we were more comfortable or what happened over there. Let go and reach forward. Are you missing what God has for you there because you keep looking there? So as we come to the end, um, I just have a, I'd like to challenge you that today is an opportunity um, for you all to start collecting things to put on your boat that are of eternal value. Start collecting things um, that will see you through, that will be solid enough for you to hold on to when you reach that storm. Shall we close our eyes and just pray? Father, today we bring our boats and our ships to you. Father, will you show us what should be on our boat and what might be absolutely superfluous and we want to chuck overboard. Father, please show us where we are holding on to hurts and looking back when we should be looking forwards. Father, may we have strength May we find strength in your word today. And we pray that you heal our hurts and help us bring comfort and encouragement to those who are hurting today. We thank you, Father, that we can stand before you in the, in the knowledge and the security that we belong to you. And Father, as we sang in, our, in the song earlier, that in our Father's house, there's a place for each of us. And we thank you for that security we have through, through the blood of Jesus. I pray that you will be with each and everyone here and everyone listening to the message at home as well. And Father, that we would be challenged and encouraged. And most of all, to make sure that we have our, our best friend, our master, 
our healer and our provider on the journey of life with us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.